then yet again, you know, it may take me wherever the Spirit listeth, right? Hopefully. Yeah, it might not be the Spirit, right? <laughs> so, no, I'm, I just like setting you up for great disappointment is all. That's... <laughs> All right, Joshua chapter number three. We're in our fourth message here in the book of Joshua. And uh, the last time we met, if you remember, we uh, looked at uh, Rahab and uh, Jericho and how Jericho knew of the power of God. And remember, if you remember, we asked ourselves uh, this question, does the world see the power of God in our lives? Does the world see the power of God in our lives? Do they see the love of God in our lives? Do they see uh, the compassion of God in our lives? Do they see the judgment of God in our lives? And they saw this in uh, uh, Jericho, saw this coming out of uh, from Israel. And remember Rahab said their hearts melted within them because they knew what God had done through Israel coming through that wilderness and they saw the judgment of God. We have to ask ourselves this. Does God, does God, does the world see the judgment of God in our lives? And you say, well, how, you ever think about that? How would, how would the world see the judgment of God in our life? Uh, you ever, maybe you have not, not ever pondered that. I don't know. Let me, let me maybe pose it to you this way. If we believed, if we believed in the judgment of God, you believe that, right? Do we believe that? I think, I I know we're all on the same page here tonight. We believe in the judgment of God. If we believe that, would it not uh, cause us to live and to walk in righteousness? I mean, I hope, I mean, we, we attempt to anyway, I know that. I mean, we're still living a fleshly body, and we still battle this flesh. I understand that. I'm not talking about perfection anyway. But but in, if you really think about it, if we really believed in the judgment of God, if we really believe that there is a judgment coming for the children of God, no, not the same judgment as, as the lost get, but there is a judgment, wouldn't it cause us to live and to walk in righteousness? Now, now think about this. If we think that we're going to be judged according to our works, wouldn't it affect our works? Say, are you nervous about the whole works judgment thing here for a Christian? <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, For we must, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Uh, my youngest daughter texted me the other day and was wondering if she could, if I had any sources, resources, for uh, studying in depth the book of Revelation. And, of course, I'm all for, I'm trying to find this thing here, I'm all for studying the book of the Revelation. It's really become, of course, seeing the time we're living in. It's kind of come, become a little bit of a fad lately to, to want to know what Revelation says. And uh, and uh, I said, I'm all, I'm all for studying Revelation, but right now I'm a little more focused on the judgment seat of Christ that we're going to go through. <laughs> she didn't like that. I said, I believe many Christians forget that they're going to be judged by Jesus and that the judgment is going to have an effect on our eternity, not on our salvation, I I told her, but on future position, on jobs, rewards. And I said, I'm more concerned with that in my life than understanding understanding Revelation, although I do want to understand Revelation. And I said, uh, but some Christians are going to suffer great loss. No, there's a judgment coming. I think we forget that. 
Do you realize when the Bible, we love this. Oh, God is going to wipe away all tears. Well, that's after the judgment. Yeah. And so if we knew, if we were aware that we desired the world to see the judgment of God, if we're not walking in righteousness, watch this, if we're not walking in righteousness, the world isn't seeing the judgment of God. Why? Because we're living as if it doesn't exist. Ever think of that? Yeah. You know, you ever come to a town? Oh, see, there goes there goes three pages of notes. I just found something else. You ever run through a town? Remember Republic back about twenty five years ago? You'd be flying down Highway sixty, and boy, you put the brakes on a Republic. Everybody just comes to a crawl. Why? Because they listen because of the judgment of Republic. Yeah. The, the, my aunt, who's my uncle, was a the high school principal there for about 35 years. He was a dispatcher in the police department. She almost got a ticket for going two miles an hour over. Man, they had no mercy. They didn't care who you were. You know what? You know what happened in Republic? What you know what became visible in that city? The, their judgment. Why? Because everybody slowed down to a crawl when they got to town. You know what they're saying? I believe in the judgment of Republic. But I wonder if the world, you know, listen, I'm going to get to the message, don't worry. But Jericho, listen, Jericho saw the power. They saw the power of God. They certainly did. And I wonder, I just have to ask ourselves if the world sees the power of God in our life, if the world sees the judgment of God in our life and how we live our life. They need to. They need to see the power of God. And in coming up here in chapter 3 now, Jericho is about to see the power of God in real time. They're about to see what's going on. And we've noticed here, we open up in chapter 1, we see a preparing that's taking place. A preparing that is taking place for Israel to go over the Jordan River. And we're going to get to some of these details of the Jordan River. But here they are, they're camped out at Jordan, the Bible says. They've been there for three days. Look at verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over, and it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. So here they are. They're camped out at the Jordan River. They've been there for three days. And now these officers are going to be given a charge to go through the children of Israel. Look at verse 3. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there should be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. So here's the officers, they're given the charge, we just read this here, and they're told this, to follow, follow the ark. Follow the ark. What was the ark? Well, it was the presence of God. The ark was the power of God. The ark was the purpose of God. Well, how is it the purpose of God? Well, where the ark went, they went. Where the ark didn't go, they weren't supposed to go. Even sometimes when they grabbed the ark, remember they went and they uh, they went up to fight. Was it AI when when they, at first they didn't want to fight, and then then they said, okay, we'll go up and fight. And they presumed that presumptuous sin, and they grabbed the ark and took it with them. But you know that it's 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 not a genie in the bottle. God's not a genie in the bottle. And they took it up, and they still got wiped out. <laughs> 
But when it was the will of God, it was the presence of God, it was the power of God, it was the purpose of God. And the, the, the ark's a really good reminder for us today. What's the reminder? Well, follow the ark. This is what the, the captains are commanding them. Essentially what he's telling them to do. Follow, follow the ark, follow God. And so, when you get up and you see the priests and the Levites taking up the ark, he says, go forward. When they pick that thing up and it starts to move, follow it. Follow where it goes. And notice what he says here, though, in verse 4. He says, to leave a space between them and the ark. Notice it says here, 2,000 cubit space was to be left here between them and the ark. That's just a little bit more. It's probably about, what, about 3,000 feet, a little bit more than a half mile. They were supposed to leave between them and the ark. And the first thing you think logically, why would they leave that space between the ark? Well, I think one aspect logically, so you know which way to go. Think about this. If you get close to too close to it, those who are farther back wouldn't be able to see it. Now, stay with me here. You're looking like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They've got, to, they've got to get further back. You ever get too close to a building? Okay, maybe you're driving down the highway, there's a big sign. You go, oh, yeah, there's where we need to go. And you pull in, you're like, oh, well, now where is it? Because it's the building. You can't see anything on it. You're too close. You're too close. So he's saying, leave a little bit of space here. Now, you might be thinking, well, hey, wait. Now, if they got up close, couldn't they just watch the people in front of them? And follow them. That's kind of like ancient, uh, the, the, the first uh, ancient type of group think. You know, you just kind of, the, the limbing thing. You just follow, follow the one in front of you, right? Well, couldn't they do that? Well, they could, couldn't they? Couldn't the one, what? Don't, don't, don't lose me here. This is a, there's a point in this. Couldn't the ones up front be close enough to follow and everybody behind just follow the crowd, right? They could, right? But the point is here with the space. The point is for everyone to be able to keep their eye on the ark, not on the people in front of them. Yeah. It's a really great, great illustration for us today. I think it's a great reminder for us even this morning that we need, or tonight, that we need to keep our eyes on God, not on people. We need to watch Him and not those around us. Listen, following people can get you into the wrong place, folks. And uh, ultimately, ultimately following people, though they may even lead us in the right way, following people ultimately keeps us from knowing the reality of God for ourselves. This is why so many have a knowledge of God, but they don't know the experience of God. Yeah. We're going to look at this next week, actually, in chapter 4, a little bit more, a little more in depth here when we get in, when, 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 when we move along here. And how imperative it is, watch, how imperative it is for everyone in this room to have their own relationship with God Remember when Paul was called, he said, Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He didn't go to anybody. He didn't ask anybody. His relationship, his communication was between him and God alone. And he knew the call of God on his life. Not because he went and asked somebody. 
And I, I love what we see here. This distance between the ark and between the people gave them a half a mile of distance to essentially where everybody, I think, could get a good eye on the ark. There may be a few reasons in here why they did this I, that I haven't dug out yet. If I find them, I'll, I'll let you know. And you might let me know too, and that's great. But they had to keep their eye on God. Look what he says here also in verse 5 now. You're going to follow the ark. You're going to put a, a little bit of space between you. At verse 5, you're going to sanctify yourselves. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. Well, why? For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So Joshua comes. He says, you need to set yourself apart. You need to prepare yourself. This is preparation. They're going to get mentally prepared by putting all the all of the uh, the the uh, distractions out of their mind. They're going to prepare themselves and sanctify themselves, maybe physically, and get their things together, and get all their belongings together, and get it in order, and get it ready to go. Right? Preparedness. Maybe it's a spiritual preparedness here because God is going to do a great miracle in, in, in front of them. I think really what they're doing here is just getting to a singular focus. They're putting everything aside and they're getting them, themselves totally prepared for what God is going to do. Why? Because it's going to be an incredible thing that He does. I wonder how much we prepare ourselves on a daily basis. For the wondrous works of God in our life. You ever, you ever wonder what we miss? Because we just weren't prepared? Have you, have you ever had the thought what Peter and them missed when they fell asleep while Jesus was praying? Do you ever wonder what they might have heard him say that they slept through? Well, that could have been powerful, huh? Yeah. Now, if he was praying out loud... <laughs> What does preparation look like? Looks like separation. Preparation looks like a singular focus. Preparation for us on a daily basis, you know what it looks like? It looks like holiness. Be holy as I am holy. God says we've been sanctified. He set us apart for Himself and Himself alone. And sometimes, you know what? We live in this world, we live in this flesh, and what do we have to do? We have to prepare ourselves on a daily basis to do that. Paul talked about dying daily, and we, we, we understand that. We need to prepare ourselves. So here we are. We have the children of Israel. They've been given the instructions. They're getting ready to cross this raging river. We're going to uh, look at this, the, the river here, in just a little bit. But uh, they're also going to be prepared now to follow. Prepared to follow. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in the in Jordan. Ye shall stand still in Jordan. Jordan. So, so God is giving direction now to Joshua. And he says, Joshua, I'm going to magnify you. That word magnify means to be, to be great or to be powerful, to be made powerful. God said, I am going to magnify you in front of all the people. Why? So they, so that they are, are completely convinced 
that you have taken Moses' place, that they're completely convinced that you have given, I have given you the authority that was Moses' authority, and it is now upon you, and that is going to give you liberty to lead. He's going to magnify him. Do you know, if you notice this, God said, I will magnify you. Joshua wasn't out to magnify himself. We have that trouble, don't we, sometimes? Joshua wasn't out to magnify himself. There wasn't people around him trying to lift him up and magnify him, which would have been better than him magnifying himself. But the Bible says, God said, God said, I will magnify you. And, you know, I think it makes me think sometimes, you know, if we're right with God, there's no need to magnify and lift ourselves up. Or is there? Yeah. Why? Well, first of all, God can do it a lot better than we can. <laughs> yeah. And when, watch, watch, when God does it, ultimately, He's the one who gets magnified. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what we want anyway? Yeah. So I want you to notice this. There's a coming miracle here that has, I see, kind of three purposes. Number one is, is pretty practical. They need to get over the river. Okay? God says, this is your land, and right now there's this river called Jordan. It's overflowing its banks. At some points, it could be up to a mile wide when it's overflowing its banks. It could be huge. And uh, they have to get over it. Now, for some reason, God didn't have them go up to Dan. They could have gone up to Dan. and it could, it's, it's kind of a trickle up there. I don't know what it's like in flood season all the way at the very beginning where the headwater is. I've been there. We just kind of walked over a little bridge. It's just clunk, and you're kind of over the headwater of the Jordan. It's not very big. But he didn't. He left him here. He said, cross here. Now, do you not think the all-knowing God knew about the headwaters? Don't you think the all-knowing God knew there was a better way to go through? Right. Absolutely he did, but he wanted him to go through here. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. There are rivers in your life that are insurmountable. There are impassable things that are in your life that, listen, God knows they're there, and God puts you there. It was his purpose, because he's trying to do something in your life. And so they needed to pass over it. That was the first purpose. The second purpose was uh, Joshua needed to be magnified. God needed to establish his authority so he could lead rightly. And thirdly, I just think that God needed to be magnified. He needed to be magnified uh, in the sight of Israel. And I think he was going to be magnified in the sight of, uh, of, um, of, um, uh, of Jericho. That's where the town we're at, at Jericho. I mean, they already knew about God, but they're going to get to see it again. And then they're going to see it again. They're not going to like the last time they see it. But here they are. Israel is going to get across the river. Joshua is going to be magnified. God is going to be magnified. And notice here, the priests are going to stand in the Jordan River with the ark. It says here, they're going to stand still. Okay? They are going to lead Israel into the river. And they're going to stay in the midst of the river until all of Israel is through the river, and then they're going to walk out and take up the the, the end there and walk out at, after it's all uh, all through and all said and done. I believe we can see this here in verse eight. I lost my place. I apologize. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in the Jordan. And he gives direction there. 
how long they're going to stay there. I was thinking about this. You know, there's kind of, I, I, I just kind of see a resemblance here, a semblance here of kind of how God leads us today. He goes before us and He calls us. He says, here's the way, walk ye in it. Come unto me, come unto me. He's calling, come towards me. He goes before us and He calls. You know, He, he, he waits with us as we obey. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Then I kind of noticed that it seems like he kind of has a tendency at times to follow behind us and make sure we get all the way through. And he says, he who has done, you know, the Bible says, he who has done a good work and you will perform it. No, he's going to, he's going to carry up the end of it all. And you can see this here in the crossing of the river that they were going to stand still. They're going in the river. They're standing still in the middle of the midst of the river. And when everybody was passed through, they were going to come up and follow up behind them. And then verses 10 through 13 here, Joshua gives the final charge. And let's read that. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Hivite and the Perizzite and the Girgashite and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Here is what Joshua's reminded them. Once you see what God is about to do, you're not going to have any problem with the inhabitants of the land. They're going to be nothing once you watch this. Now, now realize these people here weren't there for the Red Sea. They weren't here for the Red Sea. That generation's gone except Joshua and Caleb. But that generation is gone. They're getting ready to cross a place and cross something that they haven't done before. And we'll look at that in a moment too. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass. As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon in heap, and it shall come to pass. When the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, I better stop there, I'm going to get ahead of myself, I just kept reading so here we have Joshua's telling them this final charge of how they're going to how how it's going to look how they're going to get across this river and you saw it there the priests are going to take the ark and they're going to walk up to the side to the edge of that Jordan River realize it's a it's overflowing it's time of harvest I've already said this it's moving quite rapidly I mean you've seen them around here you get up to a dry a dry wash that's uh, maybe maybe middle of April he had about ten inches of rain and that dude's rolling. And you get up to the edge of that thing and you might look at it and you go, eh, I better back up. Right. No, the priests, they stuck there I mean, you, a half mile wide. I know down, down by us, you get down to the James River but at uh, Shelvin Rock and that, that uh, crossing right there. I've seen it. I've seen it a half mile. It'll, the bridge is up high enough. You can come up over the bridge and it'll go right back down into the water. And that you go over the I mean, it's, it's wide there. Yeah. Insurmountable. And they walked up to the edge of that river and they put their foot in it. <laughs> yeah. Why would they do that? God told them to. So what happens after they walk into the river with that ark? Well, the ones looking at the ark are going to follow right behind them. Yeah. 
And here they say they're going to go over, and the, here it is, they're standing there. And, they're, and the, he said, the Jordan River, when you do this, it's going to back up on the, on the north, it's going to back up on the south, it's going to back up. It's going to push back, and you're going to go through on dry ground. It's a miracle. <laughs> but those of you who have walked with the Lord for many years, you know what's going on here. One of the things that's going on here is that water wasn't going to part until they went through. Now realize that the Red Sea, what did, what did Moses do? He took his rod, he smacked that water, and it parted, and then they went through. You see what they're doing here? There's no, there's no confirmation. The confirmation is coming as they're going. It's coming as they're going. And so we see here in verses 14 through 17 the absolute miracle of following this, following the word of God. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Now, now, use your mind, okay? Could you imagine Jericho looking over the walls watching this? Don't you think they're going, we're dead. We are dead. <laughs> Don't you think Rahab might be going, yeah, you are. Anybody want to come over? <laughs> yeah. Verse 17, the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, dry ground, I love that, in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Aren't you glad that God is able to complete every last detail of His command? Could you imagine they get over and they look back and like, Oh, Jedediah is still over there. <laughs> and the ark's already through. Sorry. Yep, have fun on the other side with the, with the other one. No, they all got through. They all got through. Yeah. I want to look at something here as I kind of wind things up. And I want you to go back up to chapter, or verse 4, I'm sorry. We're going to make a little bit of an application here. I mean, this is definitely a miracle. God has definitely shown himself mighty. He's Definitely did, did a wonderful thing that he's not done before. And you notice this in verse 4. There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. Look at this now. For you have not passed this way heretofore. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? You have not passed this way heretofore. Is it, you can look at this, you ever put the, put the wrong at, emphasis on the, the emphasis on the wrong syllable? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. He says, you've not passed this way 
heretofore. What, what, what was God saying? Was God letting them know, you haven't come through the Jordan River before? Well, no. They knew they hadn't been there before, right? What is he saying? You haven't done it this way before. Watch what he's saying here. God's saying, you need to watch me. You need to keep your eyes on me. You need to have enough space between me and the ark so you never get your eyes off the ark because I'm taking you through a way. I'm taking through a, 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 a hurdle that I have placed in front of you. I'm taking you through something in a way that you've never done it before. And you better keep your eyes on me. That's verse 4. You haven't done it like this. What way had they passed before? Well, Moses. Right? The rod, the Red Sea, the sea parted. Think about this. Even all of those that were of this generation that were not there at the Red Sea, they still were there for most of uh, their life with Moses. And they still were there with the rod that Moses, the rod of God that Moses had. But here's the problem. They're getting ready to go through an obstacle in life. They're getting ready to go across a river. They're getting away to go by, uh, in a certain way that they've never gone before. And here they are standing and the man of God, Moses, is dead and the rod is gone. They've not done it like this before. You ever think there might, be, might have been a little bit of fear going on? I don't know if Joshua can handle this. I know Moses could have handled this, but I don't know if Joshua can handle this. Yeah. And God said, you're going to go this way, a way and a method, a method that you've never gone before. What is God doing here? When Moses was alive, Israel followed Moses. He, he was the man of God. God sent him to Egypt. I mean, he, has, he was the main guy. He had the rod, the rod of God that did all the miracles with. And they followed Moses. Now watch this. What's going on here at the Jordan River? This is the first time. Let me say this correctly. This is the first time that every Israelite individually was going to follow God by faith for themselves. Every one of them was going to have their eyes on that ark. Every one of them singularly was going to obey God by faith and do exactly what God told them to do. Moses was gone. He was dead. And the rod was gone. And now Israel was going to have to follow God for themselves. Yeah. It's faith. It's the faith life. Yeah. And can I tell you something tonight? Do you know God is going to put things in your life? And some of you who have been on the planet long enough to understand this, God has put things in your life where he took a Moses out of your life and he made sure you were going to follow him on your own. 
Your Moses in your life, I don't know, might, might have been a brother, might have been a sister, might have been the one who led you to the Lord, it might have been a cousin, it might have been anybody. But boy, they were a Moses in your life. They, it was easy to follow God with them. Every time you had a question, you called them. Every time you had a discussion, they were the ones you discussed. I mean, they were the one you looked to for through, through all of these things in your life. But there came a time maybe in your life when God took them away. And all of a sudden you're like, I guess I'm going to have to follow God on my own now. Elisha had Elijah taken away. And he had to follow God on his own. Israel had Moses taken out of the way. And God put him in front of this river and they're going to have to follow him on their own. And I'm telling you tonight, if you haven't had it already, you will. God is going to take that one out of your life eventually someday. And he's going to put you in place of an insurmountable river. And he's going to say, here's the way, walk you in it. And you're going to have to trust God on your own. No more mom, no more dad, no more grandparents. Yeah. It's going to be you and him. It has to be that way. Why? Well, because God wanted a personal relationship with you, not a collective relationship. You ever been there? Yeah. God moved my brother across the other side of the world. We don't talk as much anymore. (laughs) We used to talk a lot. Yeah. But I needed that. I needed that. And some of you have been there too. Listen, listen, if Israel was going to have the relationship with God at a real level, it was going to have to be it was going to have to be personal and god orchestrated this here at the jordan river that every individual could realize that it's between them and god and when we get into chapter 4 next week we're going to see a little more clearly the planning that God has that I believe this being the purpose because they're going to take out stones and they're going to put up a memorial for the next generation. And I heard somebody say, and I I believe it's true, rarely does revival make it into the second generation. And there's a reason for that, and we'll see it in chapter 4 next week. But I'll just kind of give you a, a little bit of a heads up. It's because... The relationship with God might have been real with the first generation that came across the river. But the second generation stopped following the ark and they started following the one who was following the ark. (laughs) And it's not a personal relationship. So let me ask you tonight. maybe Maybe you're even at a river here tonight. Maybe you're at a place tonight where you said, I've never crossed this way. I've never been here before in my life. I'm getting ready to go to a place. I'm getting ready to to step over into a place I've never been before. I've not gone this way. The ones I'm relying on, they can't help me here. They can't be here for me. And listen, you're at a place where you just need to look at God and God alone. Listen to me. God has brought you there on purpose. Trust Him. 
and just do what he says. Trust him. You know what happens when you trust him? Oh, man. He'll be so real to you. Nobody will talk you out of him. (laughs) Nobody will convince you otherwise. The joy that you have. I tell you what, it's, 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 you, you can't compare. You cannot compare. Is God bringing you to a Jordan? He's bringing our church to a Jordan River. Yeah. There are things in front of us, from land to buildings to this to that. that we haven't, I haven't crossed this way before. <laughs> you guys are in trouble. Yeah. Not if we keep our eyes where they should be. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And when God does it, the world will see it, and they will marvel, and they will have to glorify God. Absolutely. Trust Him tonight, would you? Wherever He has you, whatever river you're standing da- staring down today, trust Him and follow Him. He's put you there on purpose. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for the reminder tonight that at times you bring us to certain insurmountable, raging rivers that seem like there's no way over. And the only thing we have to do is to keep our eyes upon you, listen for your word, and obey. And there may be some in that position right now tonight. I don't know. Maybe you're removing people out of their life, forcing them to look to you. I just pray you'd help them to see that and to trust you in it. Lord, we thank you for what you do for us and through us and with us. I'm so thankful, Father, that you have this much concern that our relationship with you is on a personal level. So thankful for that. We just want to allow you to do whatever you desire to do with us in our life and in this church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Let's stand tonight. The piano's going to play.